This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be your dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gon' turn up, but the defense gon' win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, big day. Welcome in. It is episode one of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast presented by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one network for podcasting professionals. Uh, you've probably found us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, or TuneIn. And if you have, give us a subscribe if you like what you hear. Uh, you can also rate the show. I know you can do it on, on iTunes. I'm an iTunes man personally. So uh, go ahead and rate us. Follow us on social media at Believe in Dogs. Uh, the only way to spell dogs, D-A-W-G-S, and then, of course, Believe, B-L-E-A-V. So at Believe in Dogs on all social media platforms. The main ones I focus on is Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us there. Give us feedback. Tell us how we're doing. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want. And uh, we can try to make that happen here on the show. Again, um, as you heard in the, t- in the teaser, our goal is to cover all things UGA, okay? Uh, I don't want to just limit it to football, even though that's kind of what we're in right now. We're limiting it. We're right. We're not limiting it, but right now we are in football, and that's kind of the main topic. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. But when basketball comes around, I'd, I'd like to discuss some basketball, uh, preview it as it starts, and then as we as we get into the meat of the conference schedule, kind of have some shows uh, dealing with that. Um, in in addition to some of the recruiting news that we may get on the football segment of it, I uh, want to talk to some interesting people in other sports like gymnastics, baseball, softball, uh, equestrian. Uh, soccer, uh, women's soccer, I think, uh, tennis, all, all those sports are uh, integral parts of the UGA Athletic Association. So I do want to, uh, I do want to give some some shine on on those sports as well. I think there's a lot of great things going on at UGA, especially in the athletic department. I think there's a lot of good things academically going on at UGA that I think we can feature and spotlight uh, and, and, and shed some light on. So uh, there's a lot of great things happening in Athens, uh, especially with the university. So 
uh, I, I would be remiss if we didn't cover that. And uh, and so I, that that's just kind of where I am. Uh, that's that's kind of the goal of the show. I want to be a good, well-rounded, well-thought, intelligent show that just doesn't cover the X's and O's in football. I want to cover some of the stories, some of the personal interest things, talking to former alumni, uh, and if I could get them current players and uh, maybe down the road some coaches, if uh, if that is at all possible. Uh, I'd like to kind of get some stories of, of experiences as well, uh, talk to these people about current events, things that are, you know, things that are in a well-rounded nature, not just centering around, okay, what did you, how did you react on third and long, or what did you think of the crowd noise uh, during the fourth quarter of the time that you guys played Florida in Jacksonville? So uh, just, just want to kind of dive into all aspects of, athletics all aspects of even humanity really so um I, I think the term would i think the term that would be um very fitting would be well-rounded and i think that's what i strive for on this show so uh for me personally uh the background that i bring um hopefully will be a well-rounded person uh perspective as well uh currently i'm a uh, educator and a football coach uh, at the high school level here in nashville tennessee so i kind of bring uh, that perspective as far as a coaching angle um, and it, and even as far as an education angle, I, I can kind of speak to some of those things as well uh, and speak about kind of some of the, the challenges that student athletes go through. Um, I've also been a, a member of the sports media. I worked at Rivals.com for, for 10 years as a video editor, so I've, I've uh, covered uh, high school recruiting um, and I've made uh, highlight reels and uh, created content in that area. So I uh, kind of bring that perspective as far as a uh, content creator. I worked in a, I worked in live arena production. I don't know where that comes in um, to my perspective or to my, but it's something that I experience and it's something that I can. Um, I guess that'll that'll build into my uh, perspective. And then also I've done a couple of radio shows. I, I was on for two seasons as a high school scoreboard host, and uh, I also managed for the Atlanta affiliate. Uh, for Georgia Southern football, I managed uh, those broadcasts. So I did pregame show. I would do live score updates, and uh, I would also do a postgame show for Georgia Southern football. Because um, we at the radio station that I worked at for for two for two years, I uh, or not I, but uh, we as a station carried Georgia Southern football um, as an affiliate. So that was something that was interesting. Uh, that kind of gave me my first real crack at radio, um, at UGA. I hosted, uh, I was the sports director for WUOG, which is the campus radio station. I've hosted, uh, shows there. I did a uh, G day broadcast. Uh, so a lot of that perspective comes from there. I worked as a recruiting assistant for the football team. So I kind of get an inside look, or I got an inside look at an SEC program, um, most notably in the recruiting department. So um, even though things have changed drastically since since I've been at UGA, I think there's still a lot of things that, that I can bring that, a lot of insight that still is relatively the same. So um, it, it's a unique perspective, and I, I think that's what makes this show unique um, in its own right is, is the perspective that I bring. And hopefully some of the guests that I have, writers, uh, former players, and uh and things like that, and other people on the Believe Network will hopefully bring a unique aspect to my show that you can't get anywhere else. So you get news, analysis, uh, recruiting updates. You also get some uh, some insight on some former players and, and kind of what they've gone through. Um, I've had a great interview with Chad Glore, who was a former walk-on special teams captain uh, for the Dogs back in the late 2000s. Um, he, is a, he was a very interesting guest and uh, you know brought up a lot of great stories and, and a lot of good a lot of good insight for uh, for the program. So, um, you know, there's just, you know, 
there's a lot of great things that happen with that. And and anytime you can learn, uh, you know, personal stories, I think that's, you know, I think that's very refreshing as far as, you know, content that you heard, especially in times of COVID where there's not a whole lot of content. So, um, you know, that that's who I am. That's the background that I bring. Um, you'll, you'll hear that a lot, uh, in in the game reactions that we're going to do. We're we're going to cover all of that stuff. I'm going to do live game reactions. We're going to do game previews in season. Uh, there'll probably be a little bit more, uh, X, uh, X's and O's and, and, uh, analysis during the season. I think during during the football off season is is when we will uh, dive into other sports, uh, talk to uh, former players, and and really just kind of dive into topics that uh, are a little bit more on the uh, storytelling side of of sports media. So um, very exciting times. So again, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. Uh, give us a subscribe. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Believe in Dogs. That's um, B L E A V D A W G S. The only real way to spell dog. So um, you know, just check us out. I think you'll I think you'll enjoy what you hear, and I think you'll enjoy the perspective that we bring as a show. So without further ado, that's your syllabus. That's the expectations. That's the episode. That's the title of this episode, Syllabus Day, because I liken this to. You know the teaser episode, episode double zero that you that you heard probably uh, prior to this one. It's kind of like that orientation, where you're there for a very short amount of time. They heard you through, and you 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 get your you get all your stuff accomplished, all your all your uh, prior to enrollment type stuff, like setting up your email address, getting your ID card, and all that, uh, getting your dorm keys, and uh, you know what whatever whatever you do at orientation nowadays. Um, to get set up to come and and be there for your first day of college um, is kind of what the teaser episode was like. So this episode is like the the syllabus. Well, a lot of times in college now, um, it is depends on what class you're in. Some 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 like some classes would end probably just right here. Here's the expectations. Here's what we're going to cover. All right, see you guys later. Uh, some classes get rolling right away, um, and they you know. They teach, they lecture the first day, they give a very brief intro, and then they get into some topics because I think some classes are, are way more involved as far as presentation of information uh, than some. Uh, so I think today's syllabus day is going to go beyond just telling you about me, telling you about the show and, and kind of what our goals are. Again, uh, well-rounded, I think, is the adjective that I want to use. Uh, just just being able to cover all different perspectives and all different angles of, of a lot of these stories and a lot of the a lot of the games is, is going to be uh, something that's unique to other podcasts. So, um, but we're gonna we're gonna cover some topics as well. Uh, we're gonna get into some current events. That's that's something that you know in a slow news cycle uh, when there's not much football going on and when there's not much of anything sports wise going on, um, this would be the time that. Uh, recruiting is ramping up so this would be a time that I would be talking to probably Jake Roos or some of the recruiting experts and 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 breaking down some some camp stuff and some commitment stuff and we certainly have some stuff lined up with that um, but also uh, you know this is the time where you're kind of looking at pre-fall camp storylines season previews you know who's going to do what this is the time to really you know feel good about the people that may or may not have a chance of playing so um, again uh, with, with this episode, we want to cover a lot of different things. So uh, I think with uh, with what's going on in the world with COVID, 
uh, the coronavirus. I think there's a lot of different things that we can that we can talk about. Um, you know, with, with schools going, you know, there's a there's a big debate. You know, schools that are going to go back in person. You know, out in California, they're not having in person classes uh, for the entire first semester, and I think up until Thanksgiving at least. Um, there's different states doing different things, and that that's going to throw a wrench into kind of how football's played this year. You know, there's going to be there's going to be some adjustments. Um, do I think college football is going to happen? Sure. I, I think it's. I think there's too much money involved for the universities, not just the athletic programs, but for the universities as a whole uh, to not play college football. But I think it's going to look different. I think it's going to look a lot different. I think you're going to, you know, the, the, the day, you know, or at least for this year, um, the thought of having 95,000 people in the stands um, is going to be a pipe dream because I think where we are right now with the cases – that seem like they're resurging. Uh, I don't know about the hospital rates. I think some states are, are elevated in hospital rates, but I think the deaths are steadily declining, which is a great thing. Um, the hospital, the hospitalization rates, I think in a lot of states are declining, which is incredible. Uh, but the positive cases are going up. So um, you never know what's happening with this, with this virus. And it's going to, it's going to throw a wrench into a lot of plans. And, and uh, you know, how is it affecting schools like Clemson, uh, where they have a lot of cases. Alabama's had some positive cases. Georgia's had a few positives. Uh, Houston, the University of Houston has shut down their inv- their voluntary workouts uh, because they had a, a run of COVID cases. I think you're starting to see it trickle into the NFL with a lot of positive cases. I think they're going to continue full steam ahead uh, with, uh, with you know, obviously with restrictions. Um, at UGA, uh, the, the plan is, um, you know, I, I had Mark Weiser on uh, about a week ago. Uh, to talk about some things uh, since he has written an article uh, talking about UGA's full steam ahead with their workouts. They're, you know, they're taking all the necessary precautions as far as social distancing and, and monitoring the players. So I think they're doing a tremendous job. Ron Corson leads the way uh, for that. And, uh, you know, Scott Sinclair also helping in that regard to make sure that they are safely training and getting the proper training that they need so that uh, they can play at a high level when, when uh, the green light is is lit and they say let's let's roll so uh ron corson again uh, one of the best in the biz and and they're going to really kind of lean on his resources to kind of help them along and help them make decisions um you know mcgarity has come out and said that uh, early august uh sometimes they're going to announce they're going to announce a plan of kind of how college football in athens is going to look um obviously georgia opens up at a neutral site so um that's kind of up in the air as far as how that's going to go. Um, but the home opener is September 12th against um, East Tennessee State. Uh, they will kind of get a plan together for that, for home games. You know, who do you let in? How many people? How do they space out the stadium? You know, all those factors that come into play um, that haven't come into play ever uh, because we're in a global pandemic. But that'll be something to, to look at. But, you know, I, I think the way that UGA has handled this whole COVID response, I think, has been tremendous. I think uh, since they since they opened the doors uh, to let the student to let the kids back in to let the players back in for voluntary workouts has been, um, I think, has been great. Um, I think it's been great for these kids to get back on campus, get back in these facilities, and I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna end up being better off uh, for it because of the resources they have to not only train but to also monitor their health, to also make sure they get the proper nutrition with Collier Perno um, and get the proper training with uh, Coach Sinclair and, and also uh, Dr. Ron Corson um, managing the, the overall health and managing, you know, 
who's popping symptoms temperature-wise, who's, does anybody have fevers, you know, does anybody experience anything um, as far that's and that's things you couldn't get being at home under under quarantine. So um, I, I think it's a great thing that they're starting, and I think uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be beneficial. Um, and I think it's going to be beneficial outside of UGA for a lot of these colleges to have those resources to help monitor their health, so that if they do come positive, you know, monitor their symptoms. You know, you're seeing some some guys that are asymptomatic. You're seeing some people that have popped positive that were asymptomatic at the time that have probably since developed symptoms, and then of course the symptomatic people that you know. They didn't know they were positive until they broke a fever or uh, started coughing or whatever the common symptoms are for uh, for COVID. So um, I think it's I think it's a great thing. It's a tremendous thing and and it's something that uh, needs that needed to happen because I think it's best for the kids to um, get in that environment where they have that type of monitoring and those type of resources. And of course, you know, practicing safe social distancing is something that is imperative. And I think a lot of these universities are doing that. Um, now the flip side to that, there's always a flip side, uh, no matter what argument you're making, there's always a flip side. Uh, the flip side of that is being able to control them once they leave your facility. You know, you, when, when they come in, you can make sure they're social distance. You can make sure they're uh, far enough apart to where they're not really endangering each other. You can monitor them uh, more frequently and, and more intensively. But I think once they leave the campus and they go back to their dorm, they go back to their apartment, wherever they're living, I think it gets a little bit ch- more challenging because the uh, the regulations in the state of Georgia is not uh, stringent. I think everything's pretty much wide open. Um, if not fully open, they're, uh, they're about as close as you can get uh, with minimal restrictions. And that's, that's kind of where it gets tricky because, you know, you don't want to lock these kids down in a bubble. You know, you're seeing some pushback in the NBA where – they are, you know, one of the the NBA players to lock down in a bubble in Orlando to finish out their season. I don't think that's reasonable with college kids. And I don't think you can expect them. I don't think you can expect them to be forced to stay in that bubble. And I think you'll get a lot of pushback there. But, you know, with these kids, they're going to go out. They're going to go out and do things. They're going to, they're going to go out to eat with their friends. They're going to go, they're going to go downtown at night. They're going to, they're going to live their lives. And, and that's where the risk comes in because you got some of these staffers that are affected. You've got, uh, you've got a lot of things, a lot of factors that come into play. And, you know, that's something you got to consider, you know, how are they, how are they going to help protect themselves and help protect each other and help protect some of the older staff members, um, you know, because you can't force these kids to quarantine. So that that's the, that's going to be the challenge as far as how they go. You just hope that they're responsible enough to to take care of themselves and not take unnecessary precautions. I think there's risk in everything that you do. Um, so you know, you you could you know, there's risk in going to get takeout. Um, so I think it's just managing that risk and making sure you don't put yourself in a in a reckless scenario because there's risk everywhere. Um, but to also to make sure that you're managing yourself and if you feel a little bit under the weather to be brave enough because it takes a lot of courage with especially with with athletes uh, to be able to say I'm not feeling well I can't come in and I need to stay home and that and and there's fear of backlash from that there's fear of losing your spot because you know you're considered soft if you don't play through these kind of things but this is not something like a dislocated shoulder or a sprained ankle or a broken hand or you know some sort of physical injury that you can just play through because you come in with COVID and you're endangering everybody, you know, because you don't know 
what what's going to happen. You don't know if if Ben Cleveland has a pre-existing condition or if he has asthma and 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 he may you know he may react very adversely to to uh getting infected with covid you know uh dr corson you don't know what would how he would react or you know what what if what if eric stokes gets infected and we find out that he has some underlying uh respiratory issue um well, I'll just stick with asthma. Let's just say he has asthma, you know, and he reacts adversely. Now, now he's in serious trouble uh, health-wise because you couldn't come in. So that that's the challenge. Um, you know, one side of it is, hey, they have all these great resources um, at their disposal um, so we can monitor them better, make sure they're eating all the right stuff and, and training the right way. Uh, but on the flip side, we can't really control what they do when they leave the facility. But, again, that's the risk they would have taken at home either way so i think the good outweighs the bad in this scenario um i think the um the risk is the risk no matter where they are um they could be at, at home they could be um they could be co-quarantining with somebody uh somewhere um it doesn't matter i think the risk is the risk and the risk is the same no matter where they go so i, I think the uh, the positives outweigh the negatives in this scenario as far as just having them on campus and training now um, when the season starts, when the fall semester starts, there'll be UGA has announced that they're doing in cl- in person classes uh, that are going to uh, last from I think late August up until Thanksgiving, and then when Thanksgiving hits, I think everything goes online. Finals will be bumped up um, to kind of cover for some of the uh, possibilities of um, secondary waves of of this COVID outbreak um, should they happen. So that's kind of the preliminary plan. Um, as far as uh, as far as what they're doing uh, for the season and for games, that's up for debate. I think the conference is doing a tremendous job at communicating with each other to make sure that they are on the same page planning wise uh, with uh, with taking all the proper safety measures. I think the ADs have done a tremendous job from all the 14 member institutions of the Southeastern Conference have done a tremendous job at communicating with each other and, and really putting everything out there on the table to ensure that the athletes are safe uh, first and foremost. And then, of course, you know, the product on the field um, is, is very important too. So, um, but I, I think, you know, everything harkens back on safety, the safety of the student athletes, the safety of the students in general. Um, it it is, is kind of like the big, one of the biggest debates as far as uh, what's going on in the world and, and the ever rapidly changing uh, world of COVID-19. So um, stay tuned for that. Uh, Greg McGarity is expected to make a decision here early August as far as when uh, when things will happen and in what capacity uh, they will happen in. So stay tuned for that. Um, also, some big things uh, that have happened in the current event world that have that have really uh, created waves across um, the entire country um, in sports in general, sports and specifically. Uh, is is the whole thing that happened with George Floyd um, and then the Black Lives Matter movement, I think has been a um, tremendously positive thing uh, for the most part. And I think people have reacted uh, really well. I think the people that have the platforms to speak out and to, to be a voice for change have done so. And, and I think that a lot of people, you know, this isn't the first time the Black Lives Matter movement has happened. Um, this is not the uh, this is not the first instance of it. Um, this is not the first situation where uh, racial awareness has been brought into question. Um, it's happened, you know, several times lately. But 
uh, I think this is the first time that I've seen that it is mostly it has affected the most people, and I think a lot of people have a lot more people than previous times have woken up and and realized that you know there there is a lot of stuff that we need to change and there is a lot of things that we need to do um, to to help out the, the the black community and I think there's a lot of institutionally institutional things that need to take place a lot of change and reform that need to take place to ensure that we are truly all equal under the eyes of God and uh, all equal under the the eyes of the law and all equal just in general so um, in order to achieve that there's some things that there's some there's some symbols of of racism that we have to get rid of we have to we have to look at changing names of buildings so that we're not honoring uh, people that were um, heavily in favor of uh, racial injustice or they were heavily in favor of segregation or, or you know just just kind of the um, racial inequalities that existed in this country for for um, most of its existence if not all of its all of its existence so um, breaking down those inequalities is something that's that's very important and I think it's uh, something that the University of Georgia especially has taken uh, has taken seriously I think Kirby Smart has done a tremendous job at leading the charge to that he is uh, you know I think he's been spearheading a lot of things uh, Bryant Gant I think spearheaded the uh, they called it the the dog walk for democracy where they uh, they took a I think I don't know if they took the whole team, but I think they took whoever has reported so far. Uh, they took them on a walk downtown um, in their jerseys to go register to vote uh, because voting is important. And, uh, you know, if you want your voice to be heard, register to vote and vote. Um, no matter who you vote for, I think voting is important. And uh, it, it really, truly um, gets your voice heard, at least uh, in that regard. So I think there's a lot of positive things that are being done. I think there's a lot of positive and productive conversations that are being done. And, and I hope and wish that those would overshadow uh, some of the bad things and some of the negative things that have happened as a result to the to the start of this uh, protest. I think the real people, the real protesters and the real people that want change, actual change, are the ones that are doing the productive things. And I think the people that just want attention and just want to use it as an, as an excuse to do bad things are the ones that are uh, that you're seeing in the news. And that's that's very, very unfortunate. I think. Uh, you know, I think those people aren't genuine. Um, and I think the ones that are genuine are the ones having the productive conversations are the ones that are reaching out to different organizations and, and things just trying to make everything better. You know, you know, the, the whole, the whole, uh, movement, um, has centered around at least, uh, this time around is centered around police brutality. And I think it's centered around that for, for a while, but I think it goes deeper than that. And I think it's, it's something that, um, needs to be addressed. Um, has been addressed, and I think UGA has done a great job at addressing it. I think some of the players are doing a tremendous job at at speaking out and uh, making their voice heard and, and doing productive things and, and really representing the University of Georgia extremely well. So, you know, you're happy to see that because you can certainly uh, be on the wrong side of that as, as well. And, and uh, you know, with, with something that's so emotionally charged, which rightfully so, um, you got to be careful not to end up on the wrong side of that. And I think that um, – Georgia, the University of Georgia specifically, has done a great job at uh, at not being on the wrong side of that. And so, um, at, as we continue to grow as a nation, I think uh, racial awareness is something that um, needs to be addressed, is being addressed right now. And and there's there's a lot of changes that that can happen 
um, across the board, no matter who you are. Um, you can always be kind of mindful about how you treat people. And I think that's the easiest way to make a change is just change from within, change how you treat people and, and, and just kind of be more mindful of what you're doing, I think would go a long way in, in helping race relations and and, uh, and breaking down some of these barriers that, that currently exist. And, and uh, you know, just being a positive influence um, and just kind of being a genuine person. And I think it's just something that, you know, for me personally, you know, in, in the position that I hold as a, as a football coach, I think it's something I have a chance to do every time I interact with my players because the school I teach at and the team I coach for is a very, it's truly diverse. Um, it's a truly diverse school. And, and uh, you know, I think that can be kind of a blanket term. I, I'm at a diverse school, which, you know, we all kind of know hidden what that means. But I think the school I teach at is truly diverse because I don't think there's an overwhelming, uh, there's, there's not a, uh, a majority uh, race at the school I teach at. It's, you know, I think it's, if there's a majority, it's by um, single digit percentage. Um, if I, if I'm getting the numbers correctly, but um, there, there's all sort, there's all sorts of nationalities. Uh, I think there's, um, I want to say there's double digit languages represented in our, uh, there, there's almost 50 different languages represented in our school district. Uh, but at the, at the school specifically that I teach at, I think there's like 10 or 11. Uh, most of them are different dialects of Spanish, which, um, I didn't know existed truthfully, but, um, it, it's a very diverse situation. And I, I think just being able to lead a diverse group and getting them to understand that, you know, everybody's blood is red. Um, and everybody is pulling for a common goal and you should treat everybody with the respect that they deserve, which is being treated as a first class human being. And, and I think that no matter what you look like, where you come from, you always deserve that level of, of respect. Now, it's what you do with it um, that matters as well. Um, you know, I, I think that in order to uh, achieve an even greater level of respect, you've got to um, you've got to put out that level of respect as well you've got to treat um, you've got to turn around and treat everybody else with the same level of respect that you expect and and deserve so um, I, I think if we can just as as uh, you know my generation is starting to become uh, leaders uh, in, in leadership roles and I think if we can do that as leaders to encourage just just even how we treat each other in our own organizations I think you know if we all do that as a whole I think that can go a long way into changing some things and, and kind of getting people to realize I don't have to treat people poorly. This person uh, of color is, I'm not better than them. Um, you know, they're not better than me. You know, we're on the same plane. We're pulling for the same goal. And as long as everybody kind of realizes that, I, I think, you know, there's some, there's a lot of good that can happen. Now, is that the end all be all? Absolutely not. Um, there's a lot of other things, uh, policy wise that that need to change there's a lot of procedural things that need to change uh, but I think at the basic level um, if you're looking for a solution that you can do um, that doesn't cost a lot that is very easy to do is just look inward look in the mirror how can I treat people better just answer that question how can I treat people better answer it do it and I think you're infinitely better than you were uh, before you uh, really kind of explored that so um you know, there's some other things you can do to change um, as well. There's some other things you can do to affect change. And you just need to kind of seek out those opportunities if you want. Um, but I think 
you know, just changing intrinsically um, will go a long way into to helping the scenario. So um, a lot of great things happening at UGA. I think that's one of them. Um, I think Kirby Smart's leading the charge on that. And Kirby Smart's proving to be a tremendous leader in that regard. And, and I think he's doing a lot of great things uh, to help the players out with uh, with this movement and things like that. So um, that's that's incredible. Um, it's, it's, it's a great thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think UGA's response to both of these issues have been top-notch. And I think that they have been, you know, it, with the COVID thing, not perfect, but there is no such thing as a perfect response when it comes to a pandemic because it's a, it's a rapidly changing uh, virus that um, that is just keeping us on our toes. And, and the whole uh, race relation things, um, it needs to happen. It is happening. Uh, so that's the good news. So we'll kind of we'll kind of see how that all changes. Uh, we'll kind of see how that all uh, plays into uh, as we get into the season. Uh, kind of see how all that plays out, uh, you know, as we go, as we get further and further away from the actual events that that caused this uh, protest and, and Black Lives Matter movement to be re-energized. So, um, again, uh, we'll keep our eyes open, and uh, and I always want to uh, I always want to uh, look to get better, and that that's kind of my goal as a person is just to get better each and every day, be one percent better than I was yesterday, you know and then be better tomorrow than I am today. And, and so if I can just keep doing that, things will get better um, around me, and then, and then that will exponentially grow. So um, let's get into actual football stuff. Let's switch gears um, because I think all the, stuff is, all the stuff that I just talked about is, is, is vastly important, but I don't want to uh, weigh down the show um, with that. I do want talk to talk about some, uh, some football stuff as well because there's a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, there's a lot of exciting storylines that come into play when you talk about UGA and UGA football. Uh, I think no matter no matter what form or fashion you're going to get UGA football, I think there is uh, there's a lot of good things to to recognize. I think there's uh, we're going to start with some coaching changes uh, that we saw at the tail end of uh, last season. Uh, you bring in Matt Luke to coach the offensive line. That was the first domino that fell. Um, Want to congratulate Sam Pittman on getting the head coaching role at Arkansas. Uh, that's going to be a difficult, difficult place to turn around uh, because they've been down and down significantly um, since Brett Bielema was there, and uh, they, they've just had a hard time. Uh, Chad Morris didn't really make anything better, um, maybe even made it worse. So Sam Pittman's got his work cut out for him, but if there's somebody that can recruit his way out of it, uh, it is Sam Pittman. Uh, he's a fine coach, and he will be. Uh, we will kind of be – uh, rooting for him um, at the University of Arkansas as, as long as they're not playing uh, playing the dogs. So um, bring in Matt Luke, coach the offensive line. Uh, also James Coley. Uh, things were a mess offensively. Uh, we talked to Dane Young kind of about it. But um, things were a mess offensively, and uh, some change needed to happen. James Coley just, for whatever reason, just couldn't get into a rhythm, uh, couldn't take advantage of all the talent that he had. I mean, you have you – have two first round offensive linemen you have a second round you have a second rounder uh at running back in deandre swift and you have a quarterback that should have after leading the team to a national championship appearance uh his freshman season should have developed into a first round national championship contending quarterback did not um actually kind of regressed in his in his third season decided to leave early uh got picked in the fifth round and, and had a significant drop in the draft and that became the story so um, you you so change is needed there and and a new philosophy new new way of doing things is is needed um, on the offensive side of the ball because there's way too much talent over there to be you know 
mediocre um, in a lot of a lot of categories, mediocre to bad, you know, to below average. Ranked seventieth in total offense, seventieth uh, in scoring. I think fiftieth in de- like. I don't think there was a single category. I don't think there was a single major category that was ranked um, that was ranked under under fifty. I think for for Georgia offensively. So there there's a lot of change that needed to be made. And so uh, you bring in Todd Monken, who um, he needed some personal change as well. Um, he was looking to get back into college. I think um, you know he had a great stint at Southern Miss before he jumped to the NFL. He turned a winless team into a bowl team by his third season. He had some guys that, that went to the NFL. They they uh, they had, I think, school record uh, production on offense. Um, There's one guy that's on the Falcons, Edo Smith, that became uh, that became a star at Southern Miss. So you're excited to, to bring in a guy like that because you saw what he did with Jameis Winston. Um, Jameis Winston's only really positive year. Um, I mean, he's had a lot of positive things, but I think overall – as a season, I think uh, when when Todd Monken was calling the shots for the Bucks, I think they ranked third in passing, something like that. Uh, when he was at Oklahoma State, they were top ten in just about every category offensively. So it seems to be a natural fit because I think he seems to make things better everywhere he goes on the offensive side of the ball, and that's what you need. You need some sparks. You need some things, some exciting things to happen, so that you know it's not these. There's not all these. Tight, unnecessarily tight games. You know, in the SEC, there's going to be tight games. That that's that's a given. But there's some games on last year's schedule that should have been blowouts. Texas A&M should have been a blowout. Was not. Was a fight. Was a dogfight until until late in the game. Auburn, get up. You get up big on Auburn. You need to put them away. We weren't able to put them away. I think we I think we set a season high. 12 or 13 three and outs or something like that. It was crazy amount of three and outs. And our defense just kept giving us opportunities and we just kept squandering them um, after going on a flurry uh, early on. So um, that change needed to happen. And then one that was a bit of a head scratcher, but I think will ultimately be a good one. Um, And I say head scratcher because we don't know what it's going to be. We don't know what impact it's going to have. We just know that there's going to be a lot of motivation uh, we know that there's going to be a lot of relatability and, and solid recruiting. We just don't know scheme-wise how it's going to work out. And that's Scott Cochran coming in as special teams coordinator. Um, so these these three changes happen on the coaching staff. Uh, some support staffers also come in, Buster Faulkner coming in to help work with the quarterbacks, which is something that was drastically needed. Uh, I think uh, some other guys coming in as well um, in the operations off the field type stuff that are, that are going to help and help this machine going um, and continue to, to turn out number one classes. But um, as far as the on-field coaches, uh, Matt Luke has already made an impact. He made an impact in the bowl game um, as far as getting those guys to play at a high level. He's a high-energy guy. He's a great motivator, great teacher, um, and, and just kind of a tremendous person on the recruiting trail. I mean, you saw the offensive line class that Georgia hauled in. He was able to finish that class. Uh, he was able to flip Broderick Jones from Auburn. To come over to Georgia, he was able to sign uh, Cedric Van Pran, Clay Webb, Tate Ratledge, Xavier Truss um, on the offensive line, and and I think it's something that's that's very very important. Um, he was he was an integral part in all of that. He's been an integral part in signing uh, or getting commitments from Dylan Fairchild and Micah Morris. He'll be uh, very integral in getting um, some some future offensive line commits from some guys that are uh, currently undecided so uh, Matt Luke has been a tremendous teacher of, of O-line technique he prefers a, a, a more slender 
a quicker, more athletic type offensive lineman. Um, and that's you know certainly not a knock at Pittman. It's just different philosophies, and and I think that that fits more with the system and direction that we are going with uh, with Monken. So excited to have Matt Luke uh, Monken. Of course, uh, I could do a whole show on Todd Monken, but he brings a very very dynamic, explosive offense. Um, if if you're unsure of what he's got, go watch uh, Southern Miss um, while he was there. I think it was twenty. 15 Southern Miss offense. Go watch uh, 2010, 2011 uh, Oklahoma State when he had Des Bryant, Brandon Whedon, and, and how Brandon Whedon was ever a first-round draft pick was uh, a lot due to um, the the type of coach that Todd Monken was and type of coordinator th- that Todd Monken was. Um, and so he brings a lot to the table in that regard, and he's not scared to be aggressive, and he will, uh, he will throw himself out of trouble. Um, he will throw to set up the run. He will attack the middle of the field, which is something all Georgia fans are starving for. Uh, for whatever reason, Georgia did not do that, whether it was something that Jake Fromm wasn't comfortable with, whether it was something that Jake, uh, James Coley wasn't comp- comfortable comfortable with, or a combination of the two, or we just didn't have very good tight end play. I, I don't know what it was. There was some, there was a litany of factors that probably contributed to that. So um, you're going to have that. Uh, attacking uh, style offensive coordinator. I think a philosophy is changing. I think Kirby Smart learned from the LSU model. It's okay to to relinquish some control on the offensive side of the ball. It's okay if we throw it more. Um, I think our defense is more apt to handle that. So I think he was able to kind of, I think with the recruiting that he's done and the talent that he has on defense, I think he's finally able to feel comfortable enough to say, okay, offense, you can get aggressive now. Let's roll. We, We got your back. And, and I think they will play great complimentary football in that regard. Scott Cochran, uh, somebody I talked to Mark Weiser about uh, from the Athens Banner Herald. I think he brings a, a wealth of knowledge and motivation. I think he'll be a great recruiter because he has a lot of energy and a lot of passion. Um, and he's been wanting to become a uh, on-field coach for quite some time. Did not get the chance at Alabama. We gave him that chance here at Georgia to be the special teams coordinator. Now, what that, what that translates to on the field I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Kirby is willing to do um, aggression-wise. Is he? Are we going to go after more punts? I certainly hope so. Are we going to get creative in the return game? I hope so. Um, but the main thing is if we can re- if we can replace uh, Blankenship, Hot Rod. If we can replace him, um, that's that's certainly ideal. So um, that's certainly something to look at. Uh, getting more uh, better evaluation in the return game. Uh, getting our coverage teams to where they're an actual factor, uh, which. They have been in, they have been in, in, in recent past with Scott Fountain, which uh, that's not a knock at him. Our coverage teams have been phenomenal, so we can only continue to get better in that regard. And uh, so we'll see kind of how he develops without having any sort of real on the field practice uh, that he normally would have gotten uh, thanks to COVID. So um, they've been doing a lot of great things um, in that regard as far as uh, professional development. So we'll see kind of how all that translates. So a lot of exciting stuff um, as far as in, in the world of, of coaching changes. I think some great leadership uh, people and great leaders have been uh, hired on at the university of Georgia to, uh, to help with this football team and to help, uh, to help get us to that ever elusive national championship. I think some exciting things at the quarterback position, um, I will uh, we will break down that position more in detail on a, on a different show, but I'll touch on it here. Jamie Newman is somebody that I'm very excited about. Um, he is kind of a combination of Cam Newton and Russell Wilson, um, deadly accurate uh, power runner um, that can take control of the game. Now I know we watch some of his clips at, at Wake Forest, and and you're 
you have to pause a little bit. Um, so what does that what does that have to do? How much of that is scheme at Wake Forest? How much of that is your bottom of the barrel talent comparatively to your ACC mates? I don't know. But he's a special kid. He's a special quarterback, and he's going to be exciting um, in the red and black. He's certainly in the Heisman uh, talks as well. So um, that's a few storylines. Uh, again, uh, there will be more, but this is only episode one. This is only the tip of the iceberg, guys. We'll, we'll talk about everything as far as the team goes. Uh, we'll talk to current, hopefully current players, but we'll talk to former players and kind of get their take on things, um, not only at UGA and their time at UGA, but we'll, we'll touch on some current event stuff too to kind of see – to kind of see the world through their lens and give you some insight on, on their perspective. So, um, again, this is the Believe in Dogs podcast, Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast, at Believe in Dogs as our, as our social media handles. Uh, you can find us Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please follow us. Give us, give us a like. Um, give us a follow. Give us some feedback. And let us know how we're doing. Let us know what we can do to make your experience as a listener that much better. So, um, I'm going to wrap up episode number one, um, and then once episode two is going to be exciting and so on and so forth. We've talked to a lot of great people so far. We're just, you know, again, there's going to be a lot of great content, and uh, we hope to hear from you soon. But until then, um, have a have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening, and as always, go dogs. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.